Welcome to the War Room. I'm Al Hunt, along with the legendary, I mean legendary, campaign manager and strategist James Carville for another edition of our podcast where we talk to really smart people about government, society, and most of all, well, we throw in a little bit of sports, but most of all, politics. Albert, I am delighted to be here. It's too bad we don't have anything to talk about in the news at this time. <laughs> oh, wow. I know. These, are, these, these dull weeks are killing us. Uh, but if you didn't hear our conversation out there, if you didn't hear our conversation with Nancy Pelosi, go back in the archives and check out any conversation that you might have missed over the last three months. Yeah, and thank you for listening. It's a lot of fun, and we're going to have fun all this year because it's going to be a really compelling, fascinating political year. Yeah, it sure is. And please subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever you might get your podcast. Go to politicswarroom.com for full transcripts of each show. And now speaking of great guests, let's go to this week, James. All right. Our guest is an Iowa original, James. He's Michael Gartner. Half the state reveres him. The other half, we'll leave that out. He's a native. He, he was once my editor at the Wall Street Journal, and then the editor and publisher of the Des Moines Register, president of NBC News, where his greatest accomplishment may have been to put Tim Russert on television, publisher of the Ames Tribune, where he won a Pulitzer Prize for defending lap dancing on First Amendment grounds, Every summer, he's the mayor of the fabulous Principal Park. Michael, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Al. It's wonderful to be here and to be with you again. And I'm not going to tell any stories about you. Thank goodness. Uh, You know your state. You've been there for many years. And you're close to prominent Democrats like Tom Vilsack and the Harkins. Caucus is only three and a half weeks to go. What's your sense? I think it's it's just I've never seen anything like it in all the years I've been watching it. It's it's just unsettled. Uh, I don't think that uh, there's going to be somebody march out of here directly toward the nomination. It's uh, uh, part of it is because there's so many people. Part of it is uh, now the late entry from uh, uh, from uh, uh, the former mayor of, of New York and spending all that money. He's not out here. But, uh, you know, he's all over the uh, airwaves here like he is everywhere. And uh, it's just a it's just kind of a mess. And there's going to be a huge turnout for the caucuses. I'm uh, I'm convinced of that. And your friend uh, Ann Selzer is convinced of that, too. Well, she is the legendary, as we call her. Remember, you, we, we used to at the Wall Street Journal, we always have to had to refer to highly respected Carleton College. Highly regarded. Highly regarded, Al. You know, once, once again, you don't quite have the right word. Right. And now it's the legend. <laughs> and everyone's waiting for her poll. Uh, of course, she won't tell us when she's going to do it. But there was a poll out last week, CBS, and it was extraordinary. It showed literally a three-way tie, Biden, Buttigieg, and Sanders, with Warren about seven points behind and everybody uh, else in single digits. I've never seen anything like that, and and I don't know what it tells us about the outcome, but it does suggest maybe things are pretty fluid. Uh, And a lot of people haven't made up their minds yet. Uh, I talk to people. And, you know, the, mm-hmm. those three have a solid base, as does Warren, and, and Klobuchar's coming, coming up. But I think there's a whole lot of people who re- change their mind. And, you know, when you talk to anybody out here and say, who do you favor, the first answer is anybody who can beat Trump. And then – and nobody says, yeah. uh, well, I favor Warren or I don't like Warren uh, because of uh, Med- Medicare or I don't like Buttigieg because of uh, – 
of his view on foreign relations, or I don't like this person or that person. It's always, I want somebody who can beat Trump, except when you get to Biden. And then people say, oh, I, I like Biden. I hope he doesn't screw it up. Well, that's... There's, 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 there's cause for that concern. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Trump. Let me just ask this and then turn it over to James. Uh, he, of course, uh, ordered the killing uh, of the Iranian general. He's playing the war card right now. Uh, how does that play out there? Well, you know, I mean, the state went for Trump. Uh, and there's a whole lot of people who still love Trump. And uh, I don't think he'll win. Uh, I don't think he'd beat anybody the next time out around here. But, you know, the economy is pretty good, as he, as he said. And, and uh, uh, rural, rural Iowa seems to like him, although there's no reason in the world for them to do it. Uh, he's messed up the farm economy with, with the tariffs and, and everything. But he sent them all a big check a while back. Everyone, these guys got uh, a lot of money per acre, and they, and they cashed those checks. But uh, I just, I don't get it, Al. Boy, I don't either. James Carville, weigh in. Well, well, our first show, and this show is very uh, big, that the levels of engagement are astronomically and historically high. And uh, our first guest of the year was Mike McDonald, who is a poli-sci professor at the University of Florida, who is, I think, the foremost expert on vote engagement and turnout. My question to you, Michael, in knowing Iowa and the Iowa caucus is there's going to be a massive number of people show up that's right you, you have any concerns or you have been part of any conversations about how they're going to handle it logistically or is this going to be some kind of nightmare let's go to caucus night or caucus day in iowa and and what what's going to happen or what can happen or, or, or anything like that just just with that much interest well have you guys ever been to a caucus i mean it's just it's just goofy uh the, the, the way it works, you go and, and you declare and then your candidate's not viable and then people ask you to come over for their candidate and everything. And there's going to be a whole lot of people at these caucuses who've never been to one before. First of all, just a lot of people who are becoming voters for the first time, but also a lot of people who are becoming engaged uh, for the first time uh, because not because uh, they like Mayor Pete or not because uh, they uh, they like uh, uh, Klobuchar from neighboring Minnesota, but because they just can't stand Trump. I mean, these are all all brand of Democrats. And the one thing that holds them together is they don't like the president. Uh, so so what happens at the caucuses is anybody's guess, but they're they're going to be long and drawn out and uh, feisty and uh uh, I suspect it'll be a long time before anybody even knows how it came out. Right. I, I, that's, I, I guess my question is, we're, we're probably going to have a long election night. Usually you don't. You got a pretty good idea kind of early. That's right. That, that, that's right. You get, you get, you get a sense people of People bunched up. Yeah. And in setting it up this year, they messed it up anyway, and then they had to undo that. Uh, uh, it's just... Uh, it's just a great big mess, uh, but, uh, you know. Uh, they messed it up, Michael, by having people, by saying people were going to vote online, then pulled back. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was going to be, it was going to be like uh, the Constitution, you know. Certain people, uh, certain people were only counted as three-eighths of a person, and, and uh, uh, it was a nightmare. And it was impossible to predict how it might have come out. Uh, now, you know, your friend Ann Selzer is going to have, going to have a poll before the caucuses, and, uh uh, she's uh, always right, so we'll get a, at least a sense of where it is 
uh, a few days before the caucus. But I think there's going to be a big, big, uh, massive confusion. So in your resume, one of the most impressive journalistic resumes I've, I've, I've ever heard from NBC well, News, Wall Street Journal. Basically, if you look at it, you see that I can't hold a James, job. James, he's right. He's right. He can't keep a job. There's a lot of criticism, observation, whatever, about the press and how they're covering the campaign. What do you think of the press coverage so far in this campaign? And what do you think, if, and do you have any ideas of how it can be better? Well, I think that the print the print coverage has really been has really been good. I think it's been I think it's been thorough. Uh, I think it's been I think it's been fair, uh, and I think it's been informative. The television, and I knew nothing about television when I went to work there, and I know nothing about it today after having worked there. But the 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 massive confusion between facts and opinions. Uh, you know, you watch NBC or, or MSNBC and you see these uh, standard NBC people on there who are supposed to not have opinions on the air. Uh, and, and then you go over to Fox and it's the same, same thing. So how do you know uh, these days there's, no, there's nobody separating fact from opinion or fact from fiction? In, uh, okay, if I could weigh in here just a second, Michael. If you got television, say you, you got Fox and CNN and MSNBC and Bloomberg, you know, whatever, One American News Network, they have to fill up all of these hours of programming. Yeah. And so the, 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 the quality and the knowledge of the people is going to vastly differ, where if you're the Journal of the Times or the Post or even the AP, you know, you you got trained reporters, at least reporters that you hope are trained and have some skill. So what you're going to get in print is going to be, a, I think, a much more consistent and knowledgeable project. You, you might get something hugely insightful on television and you'll get 10 things of people had that entire experience in politics is they voted in the last election. They're trying to be provocative. I, th- I think one of the pro- one of the problems is uh, I was in television just as satellites were coming in and the internet was coming big and everything, and all of a sudden the role of the the editor in newspapers and the and the news director in television uh, disappeared in the rush to get in the rush to get out and the rush to be first. So there was there's no gatekeeper who could sit back and ponder and say, well, let's just check this out a little bit, uh, let's go into this a little bit. So now. Uh, somebody asked me, who runs a journalism school, said to me the other day, you know, what should we do about journalism school? And I said, quit teaching people how to be journalists, but teach, teach ordinary people how to interpret journalism. Oh, pretty good. <laughs> okay. James, you know, one of our dear friends was the late Tim Russert, who I think is still considered one of the great journalists in the history of Washington. Michael, quickly tell us, you had to persuade him to go on television, didn't you? He didn't want to go on. He thought I was trying to kill his career. I, the problem the problem was he, he was the Washington bureau chief and he'd call into the morning news call and it'd be really, really interesting. And then the news show, none of that would be on. And I call him up and I says, Tim, I says, you know, the morning news call is not supposed to be more interesting than the show. It's supposed to be the other way. And well, you know, so-and-so couldn't get this story. And so I said, why don't you go on? No, no, I'm not going to go on. And so we argued and argued and argued. We argued for six months. And finally he says, well, damn it. He says, I'm ugly. And I said, well, you know, we're not arguing that. And, <laughs> and, uh, 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 so finally, he uh, he agreed to do it, and I had a whole bunch of T-shirts made up with his 
uh, picture on the front says Tim Russert, not just another pretty face. Uh, and uh, and he was a huge success. He was an enormous success. And he was an enormous success because he believed in facts and he knew how to answer questions. And, and he wasn't an ankle biter uh, like some of those guys. And he didn't think he was the secretary of state like some others. He was just trying to elicit information. And he was really, really good at it. And he would put, he would put the words up on the screen to double. John Chancellor once told me, I said to him, how come I learn more from your 90 seconds of commentary than I do sometimes from the other 25 minutes of the show? And he said, no pictures. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I don't think people can take in information thoroughly through two senses simultaneously. So I don't have any background when I'm doing my commentary. Well, it was the same with Russert on Meet the Press. And he, he went one step further in that he'd put the words up on the screen uh, just to drive it home. And, and he was just so good. And he also had what my father used to call an affidavit face. You would just look at him and, and uh, believe it. He just looked believable, and he was believable. Uh, and he uh, uh, was an equal opportunity, uh, fair guy. You know, he didn't, ta- he didn't take a position. Uh, and if he asked a question twice and the, and the person uh, ducked it, he figured that the viewer was smart enough to see that the viewer was that the uh, person was ducking it, and he'd go on to the next subject. He knew he had he had uh, just an hour. He was he was great. He was fantastic. I think we agree with that, James. Right? Yeah, I, I kind of do. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, like, I do. I was, you know, he was one of my best friends on the show all the time, and it was a. I, I never forget Tim died the day I moved to New Orleans. So, you know, you'll never forget, but. At, at any rate, I don't think uh, there's a worthy successor anywhere in television today. Yeah. Don't take it personally, Al. Al, don't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, the, the caucuses, let's just talk about that a little bit, because I don't think most people really understand that. And, and we didn't run in Iowa in 92, so I, I, I'm much more knowledgeable, because I'm that long ago, happened in New Hampshire than I am Iowa. It, it, just walk through roughly what is going to happen that, I think it's a Monday night to have the caucuses. You're going to go in. You're going to go to your assigned place, and first of all, they, you have to prove you're a Democrat. Now, what is the assigned place? It's like a gym. Could be a gym. Could be yeah. Could be a gym. Could be a church. Uh, uh, could be uh, VFW hall. It could be a VFW hall. It could be anywhere. But but they're looking for bigger spots because they expect expect so many. So then you go in and you listen to. Uh, a representative of a candidate talk about why that person's candidate is good and then ultimately i mean you don't just go in and vote you know it's it's an evening it's a, it's an evening and then you declare who you're who you're for and you go stand in the corner for that person if there's not enough people there then your candidate is not viable in that caucus i think you have to have 15 percent or something and so then uh uh you're out at that caucus so then others come over and they and they try to uh uh, convince you to come and jo- join them. So, like, if I went and I stood up for Cory Booker, uh, for instance, who, who I happen to believe is a fantastic candidate, but he's not going to. He's you know he's at two percent. He's not going to be viable very many places. So, if I stand up for him, and he's not viable, then then I have my choices. Who are the viable ones there? Well, it'll be it'll be Warren. It'll be it'll be Sanders. It'll be uh, uh, Mayor Pete, and it'll be Biden. So then. They're going to try and lure the uh, Booker people uh, over over there, or or the others who weren't viable. And so then you go over, and then and then ultimately, uh, 
noses are counted and and uh that's how uh, they figure out who who wins the caucuses i, I mean i just think you know people have an idea of what an election is and i i i'm just fascinated by the whole thing it's unique it's unique and it's a it, and it's a mess and uh jimmy carter figured it out and johnny apple figured it out in 19 what was that 74 when carter ran and he spent the year out here and it vaulted him and 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 john apple of the new york times was covering every jot and tittle of it and then so everyone said well it worked for carter and now everyone's going to think it's going to work for him but you know it's terribly unfair to like a minority candidate and I mean a racial min- racial minority candidate because Iowa is a white state, uh, and so I suspect if South Carolina were first in the nation, uh, Harris would still be in it, and Booker would be would be in it big time. But Obama, Obama was uh, Obama was also almost a messiah to young people out out here uh, then, and. Uh, uh, th- that's totally, uh, totally. You know, I, I disagree. I, Kamala Harris didn't have anything to say. I, I think if she'd have had something to say, people and I would have listened to her. Well, maybe she was out here a lot, and a lot of people were talking. But right. let me ask you this, Michael: There are though. I mean, you 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 touched on it. Uh, there are many critics of the Iowa caucus. They say it's it's disproportionately influential. It, it's not representative of the Democratic Party. There aren't very many people of color, not much diversity. Um, defend the Iowa caucuses. Uh, well, from what standpoint? I can defend it as a great economic engine for the for the state of Iowa, but that's probably not what you're talking about. <laughs> I would def- I would defend it because on on this on this ground is that it's been going on for so long now that the people out here take politics very, very seriously. And they become very informed about the issues. They ask intelligent questions. And it's a good way, it's a good way to uh, test the knowledge, ability, and staying power of a candidate. All that being said, it's biased, uh, uh, as I said, against minority, against minority candidates. Uh, and it, and it always, uh, will be, but, but, uh, uh, at this point, at this point, the I think the average Iowan views himself as a uh, as a walk on in a movie or something about about it. That uh, they take it seriously, they edu- they educate themselves, and they e- try to elicit information that shows the uh, fiber of a candidate, uh, the staying power of a candidate, and to a, de- a little bit degree, although this no longer is the case, uh, the money-raising ability. You, you know, it used to be that you raised the money here, but now uh, you don't. So what, this is my view. And I, I, New Hampshire, Iowa, I, I've obviously been up to Iowa a number of times during the caucus in New Hampshire. These are chamber of commerce things. I mean, this adds a significant number to the GDP of Iowa and New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. But you oh, yeah. name it. This is like getting a, a bowl game, a better. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think anyone would argue with that. Why are the economic interests of Iowa and New Hampshire? New Hampshire, if somebody tried to have a primary before them, they'd have a primary the day after the election. Yeah, that's right. And then Iowa has grabbed hold to this sugar tit. All right? Well, they're the first caucus state. Now, is it a fair criticism of democracy to say that these are economic events that these states put on 
and guard them jealousy so they have an outside influence in the political process in the United States. Well, I think I, I, I think that's uh, uh, cutting it too finely. That that uh, sure it's uh, it's got an economic impact because uh, all you guys come out here and rent cars and and yeah. uh, and eat steaks at eight hundred one Steakhouse and and stuff like that. But but that doesn't that doesn't take away from the democratic aspect of it. You know, there's the dem- democracy. Democracy and capitalism aren't opposites. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have anything. I made money in politics. I don't have anything against someone making money in politics. I'm saying the whole thing is an economic boom that gives an outside, outsized influence. And I don't think there's anything you can do about it because the the, the Iowa people would go nuts. To, and I don't blame them. I, I don't want to write your paper. I, I, that's probably not anything better for the Des Moines Register and Iowa caucuses. Uh, yeah, the un- un- University of Iowa football team it would be. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're 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 right. It you're you're right. It has it's huge and 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 maybe even more in New Hampshire. Yeah, there's. I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, but I'm saying that that's just a piece of it. And no matter where the first where the first caucus is or the first primary is, uh, given the way the press is today, uh, traveling in, in these massive numbers, uh, it's going to have a huge economic impact, whether it's in South Carolina or whether it's in Nevada or whether it's in North Dakota. Uh, uh, but the economic impact is, is, uh, is the side effect. It's a side effect, but I think it's the reason that they fight so hard to keep it. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not only the economic effect, but also, uh, you know, if you're an Iowa politician, you, you know, you find yeah. suddenly that ethanol is much more popular right before a caucus than it is uh, afterwards. So it's that's right. That, that, you know, that helps. That, too. I, look, I, I admire yeah. their economic creativity and, and the same thing in New Hampshire. They, just, they have a law, a law in New Hampshire. You cannot anybody set the primary before it has. They automatically kick oh, their ass yeah, back. Yeah. I'm just yeah, saying yeah. it's a it'd be like having the, the Super Bowl every every year. Well, that would be okay. It is. That it's would nice be okay. Michael, let me ask you this before we go. You've been great with your time. Do you have if if you had to go out? Is there any sense you have that boy? If I were watching someone in particular these next three weeks, here's who I'd be watching: Klobuchar. You think she she's a real dark horse? Well, a little bit biased on that because she's from a neighboring state, so she gets uh, she gets a, a kind of a half of a pass down here. Uh, being from being from Minnesota, but uh, if there's anybody who can kind of bridge the gap between uh, uh, the left of the Demo- Democratic Party and the so-called right of the Democratic Party, uh, whose name isn't Biden, it would probably be uh, probably be Klobuchar, and uh, she's getting better and better as a speaker. Uh, she's uh, uh, she's quick, uh, and she's uh, uh, you know. Uh, Hillary Clinton was a crummy candidate out here. Uh, uh, just didn't she didn't connect, and uh, Klobuchar connects, and and she's rising up in the polls. You know, she isn't in double digits as you as you mentioned, but she's at seven or eight percent now uh, in the state. And uh, this isn't, as I said at the beginning, this isn't a, a deal where somebody's going to come out and march right to the convention. This is a this is still going to be a fight. I so I, there was a story in the New York Times, and it was. Talking about, and this is, uh, I love just how earnest people are in Iowa. In Warren trying to, frankly, dig herself out as Medicare for all ho. And so what they're doing is they were having meetings and 
people, you know, actual citizens were answering questions that people have. I mean, it's that granular and that involved. And I, I, I was just kind of impressed about how what self-starters these Warren supporters are, that they see that there's a problem and they're inviting people in their homes so they can explain what it is. It's it just a, you don't see that kind of earnestness in, in presidential politics very often. Well, but everybody, like I said, everybody takes takes their role seriously out here, and they want to be educated. and And the Warren thing is a perfect is a perfect example. I think most people think that uh, she overplayed her hand on that, and that that isn't a that isn't a uh, an issue that is going to play very her well. Her people. The great thing is her actual supporters. That's right. You know, that's right. Supporters say, "Hey, we're going to do something about this. We're going to start having people come in and explain." You know, boom, boom, boom. That it's short of Warren high command. It, it hasn't slept very well in the last six weeks. Yeah, but yeah. the other people are kind of moving in, trying to help. I, I thought it was a, a, a touching story. Well, you know, it's it's the line from the music, man. You know, uh, we can stand touching noses for a year at a time and never see it eye to eye, but we'll give you our shirt and our back to go with it if your crop should happen to die. That's Iowa. Boy, that's Iowa. Listen, Michael, this has been terrific. And any, anyone who's right. listening, anyway. the, the caucuses are three and a half weeks away, but about three and a half months away, the Pacific Coast League starts, right, with the Iowa Cubs. I think you also have, what, the New Orleans baby cakes? No, not anymore. They're, they they moved to Wichita. Do you still have the El Paso Chihuahuas? Yeah, we have the Chihuahuas. And, oh. uh, you know, opening, opening day, uh, Al, is uh, April the 9th against uh, Nashville at 6.38 p.m., and uh, good seats are still available. Well, I want to tell you, anyone who's driving through Iowa from April through August, I want you to stop by Principal Park, one of the great parks in America, and if you do that, Mayor Gartner will buy you a hot dog. Michael, thank you very much, and happy Thank you, Michael. It was a a real treat. Thank you very much, guys. It was nice talking to you. James, you know, there's no way we can do the show this week without talking about Iran. Yeah, I not. Say the targeted killing of General Soleimani was so blatantly political. Uh, it was initially pitched as a to stop an imminent threat, and they can't name one, but I can. I think there was an imminent threat, and it was the impeachment of Donald Trump. And my old colleague, Dana Milbank, uh, I think put it best. He said, this wasn't wag the dog. This was Wag the Hippopotamus, but James, it may work for him. Well, first of all, I don't know. If, and I think it's more about B.B. Netanyahu's political career as much as Donald Trump's. I, I think that the Israelis con them into doing this. And so Netanyahu gets to call an election in the middle of a security right. crisis, and he hangs on. And I think this is more about B.B. Netanyahu's freedom than Donald Trump's political freedom. Of course, he went on to it. And get away with it. What is getting away with it? I mean, right now, the Iranians have said, we took that guy out, they fired some shots at our base, let's just all go back home, you know? It don't work like that. And why does anybody believe them or believe anybody what they say? I mean, everybody lies in a war. They lie in a campaign, right? But... This is ridiculous to just deem this thing as a a volley that goes back and forth, no harm, no foul. We took out their guy, they shot something at us, and we're all going about our happy way. And I see that. 
I mean, maybe that's the case, but there's about a 2% chance that's the case. I mean, and, and you've got a, you got a lot of kerosene out there. you got a lot of people playing with matches. And this, I don't think we've dodged anything yet. I really don't. Well, I yeah, think you're I, probably right. And I think when I say, you know, it may work for them, that, that's a short-term analysis. They have impeachment a little bit off the front pages. It's a diversion. Yeah. He's, the, he's the tough guy and all that. But I would just make two points. I don't think anyone could seriously argue that he thought through what day two would be oh, like, or day shit. 22, oh, or day no 47. Idea. And if we think Iraq was tough, uh, it was child's play compared to Iran. So wherever this leads, uh, I, I, I well, think... Hey, this is going to be instructive for one thing. Or instructive for a lot. Any time in the past that you've had a foreign policy event of this magnitude, it has affected presidential approval. I mean, I've seen it where you go on a foreign trip and you might go up two points, three points. Right. All right? Uh, something like this, I mean... Bush went up to like 91, old man Bush and young, you know, I don't see any, I don't think this is changing anybody's mind about anything. I mean, it it looks like to me that the opinions of Trump are totally fixed. And I don't think his people, of course, he didn't think about it. And of course, they didn't tell anybody, didn't tell any ally, didn't tell anybody in the State Department. Anyone in Congress? Anyone in Congress? Not even the gang of eight. I I mean, this is like unbelievable, and and the the effects of this are not over at all, at all. And and it's it's just amazing that this guy's gonna. I'm I'm serious. He could get us all killed. He has no idea what he's doing. None. And. I, we're going to start seeing the backstories. You just wait. You, you watch all the stories that's going to come out on this. They've lied. This is one thing I know. They have lied about everything the entire way. And the, the idea that there was an imminent threat, they, of course they were lying about it. Of course they were lying about it. They, they, there's nothing. They're incapable of telling the truth. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. I also think that I don't know what would have happened when there were one or two adults that he had in the room, uh, you know, like Mattis, might have had the same outcome because he's he's who he is. But the one thing we know now is there really aren't aren't any adults no, no, in the room. Mattis would not allow military options to get to Trump's desk. Yeah. If Mattis was Secretary of Defense, he would have never seen this option. Yeah. This guy Esper is a. I don't know what he's doing either. He's a defense contractor. Yeah, I, you know, I think you're right. Although I go back to your earlier point, it may have been Bibi that uh, said, "Hey, you have yeah, the option." Bibi did this. And, 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 the, and the guy that's the head of the Mossad, that's Pompeo's big friend. Yeah. They're all behind yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. And it's all about Bibi's political future. Now, and and, and Trump's so stupid and gullible. Yet, I mean, they could get him to go along with anything, but he had no. Well, I, I, I just and Sheldon Adelson calls him and tells him to do it. I don't think the we have seen the end of the Iranian response, and uh, I don't think and we've seen the end of this story remotely. I don't think know what the, this guy, this unhinged, we're at the top of the first inning of this story. We are, we're in remotely find out how this right. happened. 
Right. And we got a. Uh, and we don't know. We got an unhinged pitcher uh, and no bullpen. So uh, Correct. let's just hope. Let me turn to impeachment before we go to the big story of the week, which is football. But um, McConnell has the votes to proceed without witnesses. Um, I guess the Susan Collinses and Corey Gardner's of the world cave. Uh, <laughs> does it matter? And, and, and I, 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 there's no reason, no pressure on Nancy Pelosi to send that over uh, at, at their convenience. You know, it's always, they could lose six Republicans. They know, no, they're not going to lose any unless, unless the Democrats are able to like break something on a fair trial and, and it, there's some piece of evidence and maybe they could switch public opinion. But right now, we're all out there looking for the good Republican. Whoever the good Republican is, he's somebody who don't have to take, get any votes from Republican voters. I can tell you that. Susan Collins plays the same trick on everybody all the time. So I, I, I'm not surprised at all by any of this. But well, if the I, Democrats are able to, you know, I, I, I'd be curious to see what John Bolton, if, if this is what this is about. I hear, I have no idea. Uh, he might be selling books, but he maybe has something to say. I mean, he is the eyewitness to what happened. He is. I would, if I were one of those Democratic senators, I would worry it might be a trap because he also is an incredibly ambitious conservative. He doesn't want to be someone who did in Donald Trump. I mean, wouldn't do him in anyway. Uh, yeah, I, I, I worry too. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I suspect if they call him, they're going to know. I mean, like yeah. he's got people they talk to him. I, yeah. what I, the more I read, and I don't know. I don't. I, I don't run in John Bolton circles, or anything like that. But the more I read, the more I'm convinced he might have something to say. I don't know that, but they talk to people. You know, it, somebody talks to the guy who talks to the guy. I also want to hear uh, Mr. Mulvaney under under uh, yeah uh, under oath uh, tell what happened. Yeah, and even though those OMB guys weren't in the room, they can do- you call them up. They can document exactly why and when this thing. Why this yeah, leverage? I, I, you know, I have no look. There's no amount. We know exactly what happened. We do. We know exactly. Yeah, literally, the gun is smoking. She's dead on the floor. The guy is holding the pistol. All right, the ballistic match, the prince match. The kid said, "Daddy shot mama." That's yeah. how tight this case is. So then maybe you can, you know find out he got the life insurance or something to add to it. But they had no doubt that what happened. There's no, no, there's no I don't think there's hardly a, a fact that's even in dispute here. Am I wrong? Or did we no, all no, no, no. I, I agree. And I also think the outcome is, is, is indisputable right. too, because they, uh, they are scared stiff of that. Uh, of and, that and you have all he of owns the Republican party. Now he just owns the Republican party. And, and even, I mean, I was out in Colorado, Corey Gardner uh, is just he, he may be a dead man walking, but he also I mean, he is in a terrible political position. If he sticks oh, yeah. with Trump, he's going to alienate those independent voters who decide elections in Colorado. If he goes against Trump, the base turns on him. Uh, and that's the dilemma they face. And you know what they're going to do? They're all going to stick with Trump. But you know what? It's going to happen. This is going to be in, in it's going to explode. And. What did you know and when did you know it? Right. The question that these Republican Congress and senators are going to have to ask 
is how long did you know he was insane and you kept on letting it go on? Right. They know he's insane. Right. They know he's mad. They know he's gotten rid of everybody. I mean, they may be Republicans and they, they may fight like hell for their political survival and, 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 you know, for the survival of their donors, but they know he's crazy. And they talk to each other. And they go home and they talk to their wives and talk to their friends. And the question they all have to ask three years from now is, when did you know this? And that, and they're not going to look good. They're going to look good at all. The stories and, and, that have already come out about what goes on in this administration are chilling. And they are just, they, they are going to pale next to what we're going to find out. Uh, oh. you know, in the next year and the years ahead. I mean, the stuff that oh, is going oh, on cover I, up that have transpired. History delays and oh. oh. a lot of people that are going to look just awful. Yeah. yeah. Just no, that's... awful in history. Yeah. And that's I think a lot of these people know it. They just don't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, they're scared. They're James, let me ask you something. Um, what are you doing next Monday night? You go in the movie? <laughs> I mean, there are a couple of good movies. You could see you know, The Irishman. You could yeah, see Little yeah. Women. I will go see 1917 tomorrow during the day. I like to go yeah. to the movie during the day, you know? Yeah, yeah I think I'll be uh, at the Dome. I, I, it's hard to explain. Tell people what the Dome is, just for those the, few who may not Monday know. night is, to, to those of you who are so into politics that you, you don't look at anything else, Monday night is the national championship game in college football where Clemson undefeated uh, two years in a row. Beat Alabama last year, 44-16. Rolls into New Orleans, and they're playing LSU, who is number one, uh, 13-0. and uh, They blew Oklahoma out. Uh, Earlier beat week Texas. Before last. And it is promising to be the most anticipated college football game probably of this century. I mean, maybe the USC Texas game in 05. I can't, I can't, I don't know. Uh, I but think this one's bigger. This isn't bigger because and everybody, I mean, and the Joe Burrow thing has just exploded. Clemson is just really good. So there's three things we know the Tigers are going to win, somebody right. wearing purple is going to win, and somebody that plays in Death Valley is going to win. <laughs> if LSU wins this game and they're a six point favorite, they might go down as the most explosive, interesting football team in the history of college football. And you feeling confident right now? I don't allow myself to feel. It's too big to contemplate. All right. I, I just have to, like, calm down. Uh, I have uh, Sunday night. We're all going to the fairgrounds, which is the racetrack. And, of course, and all my friends are horse degenerates. And then I'm hosting a big party at the Crescent City Steakhouse, which is one of the most culturally significant restaurants in, in New Orleans. Uh, it was been there since 1934. And people don't realize it, but New Orleans is one of the great steak cities in the United States. Both Ruth Chris and Del Frisco started in New Orleans. And the Crescent City was before all of them. And they were the first people to cook these steaks in double broilers. And, and you know, of course, they douse them in butter with big secret there. And, and it's just that it, the same tile has been there since 1934, the same everything. And, and so we're going to have, a, a, I don't know, 28 Carvilles and probably 30 KDs and God knows how many. Well, well the one thing we found out a couple of weeks ago is that your wife, Mary Madeline, has become just about as big a Tiger fan as you. 
she's sort of more gotten into it now. She's from Illinois, and you know, college football. If you're not from the South, and you know, it, it, or Ohio, you know, Michigan or something like that. But if you grew up in Chicago, college football, you're more the Bears, and she came down here in the Saints. But now she's gotten into LSU football culture, which my family is. I mean, it's a, I, 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 like my brother-in-laws and sisters, and I, I don't know how many Carvilles. I think they're like 23 of us that are LSU grads. And we would have never gone to come out. Daddy posted me. I said eight kids. We, we used to go to college for free. <laughs> so well, you've got another world. generation who's there right now who could be. Oh, we got a gazillion kids. of them. Right. You, your daughter's there. My right? daughter's a senior, right. and they come in with all of these girls and and boys, and they like convoy to every game. I mean, it's really a, a when you have a child, it's through senior year. You have a football team like this. I mean, can you imagine what it's like for these children to go to college here? Wow. And to experience well, this? And they literally go to all the games. And and they convoy and, I mean. <laughs> but there's going to be none. There's going to be, this will be a shorter, the shortest commute uh, maybe, but there'll be none bigger. And any of no, you out no, there. It, any of you yeah, out there I, Monday night, do not call, do not email. Yeah, do yeah, not I don't have to worry. I'm, 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 my cell phone ain't going to be around me. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I love these kids so much. I mean, you, you add to it, you know, Ed Osrion, who has just turned out to be one of the most innovative, you know, distinct college football coaches. Got, I, I, I mean, it's just the, the whole thing, the whole Barra story, the, 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 all of these kids in the state and now there's these stories of all these old players coming back i mean if we win this football game you're going to see and i know every time that somebody wins the national championship everybody's on the field and they're you know <laughs> hugging each other and high-fiving and stuff you're going to see something if lsu wins this game you're going to see something deeper than that if you don't win i'm going to wait a couple of days but if you win yeah. i would predict you're going to win i'm going to call you early yeah, Tuesday. you know if we lose you know call me i'll be disappointed i, 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 I love these kids i don't get they could get beat 80 to nothing and nothing that they're, they're like my own children i, I, I love them unconditionally oh, they're just man. such a great bunch all right listen this has been a great show we're off to a great start in 2020 uh, and we'll be back again next week. James Carville, thank you. This is Al Hunt saying uh, goodbye for 2020 Politics Warm-Up. Thank you. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Thank you. <laughs>